you too, Angel. Come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, which stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the holy place and bless the Lord. And bless the Lord. Thy loving kindness is better than life thy loving kindness is better than life my lips shall praise thee thus will i bless thee i will lift up my hands unto the standing can stand now seeing as Anthony's didn't mean anything um, <laughs> oh sure oh okay that's a great excuse for Luke right <laughs> yeah Luke likes Luke always makes sure he sits in front of old people so he can stay sitting you know? <laughs> all right see honey Bigger than all my fears, God is bigger than any mountain that I can and cannot see. Bigger than all my questions, bigger than anything, God is bigger than any mountain that I can cannot see. Bigger than all the shadows that fall across my path, God is bigger than any mountain that I can and cannot see. Bigger than all confusion, bigger than anything, God is bigger than any mountain that I can cannot see. Bigger than all my problems, bigger than all my fears, God is bigger than any mountain that I can cannot see. Bigger than all my questions. 
God is bigger than any mountain that I can or cannot see. Heavenly Father, thank you so much this morning, Lord, that because of you, we have no fear. Lord, because of the salvation that you have given, the plan of salvation that you have put forth in front of us, Lord, that if we just accept that free gift, if we are willing to just die to ourselves, humble ourselves, and give it all to you, that, Lord, salvation is there for us. And thank you, Lord, that you are bigger than anything. You are bigger than the problems that we have in this world, the things that come our way, the problems that of health or uh, finances or relationships or anything, Lord, that may be bothering us, Lord, that you are bigger than all of those. And Lord, I just thank you that because of the hope that we have in you, the Lord, that we have a hope of knowing that all these things will be resolved, whether in this life or in the life to come. And I just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, you can be seated. Um, I think this morning there were some of you that were um, desiring prayer. I'm not sure who they all are, but um, who was who was it you were wanting? Or yesterday? Anthony, would you pray for LeBron and Linda and um, Hank? Could you pray for Gloria? Um, and then uh, Phil, would you pray for um, Sam and Shy? This next song that we're singing is one uh, we've some of us have sang a long time ago, but I'm not sure if you guys will all know it. But um, I was so convicted and challenged with the chorus. Um, it says. We will answer the call, um, King of Heaven. We will answer the call. We will follow, bringing hope to the world, filled with passion, filled with power to proclaim salvation in Jesus' name. And I was thinking, if we can't sing <clears throat> these words honestly, then it would be better for us not to sing, because we don't want to um, we don't want to lie <laughs> to the God of Heaven. Um, but if we truly mean these words. Let's sing him with all of our hearts that we will answer the call wherever he leads. We will follow. We will bring hope to the world. Um, and if it's not so, then let's ask God to make it so in our lives. Hear the call of the kingdom. Lift your eyes to the king. Let his song rise within you as a fragrant offering. Of how God, rich in mercy, came in Christ to redeem all who trust in his unfailing grace. Hear the call of the kingdom to be children of light. With the mercy of heaven, the humility of Christ, looking justly before him, living all that is right, that the light of Christ may shine.
Jesus' name. Salvation in Jesus' name. Oh, my pedal died in all that time. Thank you. 
amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me testimony or anything they need to share or need to share want to share need is maybe a good thing the way to put it pretty slow week you know sometimes I think I get well I do get overwhelmed with some things and um Thursday, I was about ready to come to the end of my, uh, I don't want to say my own energy, my own strength, and I was just so wore out, and I went to bed, and I, of course, my mind's going 100 mile an hour, and I couldn't go to sleep like I'd been falling asleep, literally sitting in a chair, but then I go to bed, and my mind's just going way out crazy, and so I just went on Spotify, and I just, well, first up, I looked up. I looked up heavy metal hymns, and that didn't work out so well. Um, it wasn't near as relaxing as I thought it might be. Um, so I just looked up old hymns, and I stuck those on, and it was just like there was a piece that just came with that as I just listened to the words of old hymns and just was thinking and meditating on, the, on Christ and his plan of salvation and what he is doing. 
And it was just like God just, he was working. And I just had peace, and I just went right to sleep. I slept really good. Woke up with a different attitude the next morning. It was so fun to just enjoy the old hymns. And then the next day, of course, it was on my Spotify. So every time I'd get my pickup or anything and go at race chasing parts or anything, it would automatically just start playing because it would connect to the pickup. And I just thoroughly enjoyed it all day yesterday as the hymns would just keep coming on every time I get in and out of my pickup. And I was just like, wow, the faithfulness of God and just sometimes all my um, screaming music that I enjoy so much didn't really do anything. But yeah, if I just sit back and let God speak in a still small voice what God can do through that. He's the big guy. The other thing, too, is God always showed himself, like, to be the one in control and in power. Like, David never sought that glory. It was always God working through David. He was just available. silent to hear the mighty trumpet split the eastern sky just imagine the king of all creation riding through the heavens turning for his
right, the children come forward. Okay, I'm back on. All right. Who's on for children's class this morning? Oh, Judd is. Oh, John bailed. What are you sleeping again? I don't know. He could look in his guitar case. Look in his guitar case. I don't know. Do you have one in there? I don't know. Sorry. You can't pluck? You can use your thumb? Your thumb don't work like that? All right. What song do you really want to sing? God's Not Dead? I love that song. God's not dead, no, he is alive. God's not dead, no, he is alive. God's not dead, no, he is alive. I feel him in my hands, feel him in my feet, feel him in my heart, feel him in my soul, feel him all over me. God's not dead, no, he is alive. God's not dead, no, he is alive. God's not dead, no, he is alive. I feel him in my hands, feel him in my feet, feel him in my heart, thump, thump. feel him in my soul, whoa, feel him all over me. What did you want, Angel? side are you leaning on? You guys do that one? Yeah. Thank you. Okay. This is what I struggle with so bad. No, I forget keys and notes and tunes. Because I'm not that, I'm not supposed to do this. I don't know how to play the guitar. Like Caden. All right. Tell me whose side are you leaning on? Tell me whose side are you leaning on? I lean, I lean, I lean. 
lean, I lean, I'm leaning on the Lord's side. I lean, I lean, I lean, I lean, I'm leaning on the Lord's side. Tell me whose side are you praying on? Tell me whose side are you praying on? I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, I'm praying on the Lord's side. I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, I'm praying on the Lord's side. What's another one? Isn't that what we've been doing? Okay, let's have them. Are you going to answer them? Tell me who's... I'm singing on the Lord's side. I'm singing on the Lord's side. I sing, I sing, I sing, I sing. I'm singing on the Lord's side. I sing, I sing, I sing, I sing. I'm singing on the Lord's side. Is that it? Okay. Another one? Oh, is that the part you want to do? Yes. No, yes. I agree with. All right. Do you think they can actually do it? Yes. Shall we have Lucas stand up? Yeah. Lucas, Lucas and Blake can stand up. Blake, stand up. Oh, good. All right. So now you guys sing, and they have to do the parts for you. All right. Tell me whose side are you? I'm jumping on the Lord's side. I'm jumping on the Lord's side. I jump, I jump, I jump, I jump. I'm jumping on the Lord's side. I jump, I jump, I jump, I jump. I'm jumping on the Lord's side. I have no idea what I was thinking the day I actually came up with that one. Huh? Phil was even jumping. My goodness. All right. What do you got, another one? No more? Okay. Oh, another one besides that one. Who's the king of the jungle? You like all my favorites too, don't you? You and I, we same wavelength. All right. What's the king of the jungle? A gorilla monkey. Ah. Do you... There you go. I agree with you. The lion is the king of the African savanna. Lions don't live in the jungle? Uh-uh. I agree with it. He's actually been listening to uh, whatever that thing is. Wildcrats. That's what it is. Do you have? There's different kinds of There's mountain lions. There's different, but they're like the king, like Lion King. You know, that's in the savanna, like he said. But the big old gorilla, he's swinging through the jungle. All right, that's a hoo-hoo. And what's a whaley wheelie? A whale. Wow. You read into that one, huh? How big does a whale get? 
10 times what? Then, then squid. I would hope so. Oh, then the biggest squid ever. Okay, squid has gotten pretty big. All right. Purple squid? Okay. Okay, we'll stop talking about. All right, you guys ready to sing it now? Now that we've done, rehearsed it all? All right. Gee, I think. Who's the king of the jungle? Who's the king of the sea? Who's the king of the universe? And who's the king of me? I tell you, J-E-S-U-S. Yes, he's the king of me. He's the king of the universe, the jungle and the sea. Who's the king of the jungle? Who's the king of the sea? Who's the king of the universe? Who's the king of me? I tell you, J-E-S-U-S. Yes, he's the king of me. He's the king of the universe, the jungle and the sea. All right. Judd, it's up to you. All right, you guys can sit here, whatever you'd like. Well, just in FYI, I am not prepared for this. John walked up like five minutes ago. He's like, hey, I got to go. Go take care of this for me. So <laughs> anyway, he just handed me a book. He's like, here, just read the kids' stories. So that's all we're going to do. But anyway, so the name of the story is Samuel, the little priest. Okay, y'all ready? Once there was a little boy named Samuel who was brought to the temple to live with the priest Eli. The priest Eli took Samuel's hand and walked with him to the temple court. Samuel saw the evening fire burning on the altar. He saw the shining wash basin and the cloth fence. He, saw the, he heard the priest blowing trumpets and people praying. The tiny bells on the priest Eli's robe tinkled, tinkled as Samuel and he walked together. Priest Eli and Samuel stopped at the temple door. Everything in the temple was made of gold. There was a golden table, a golden altar, and a golden candlestick with seven golden lamps. Samuel watched as priest Eli went inside the temple to burn the sweet-smelling incense on the golden altar and to pray to God. Samuel hoped that someday God would choose him to be a priest, a priest like Eli. Then he, too, would do God's special work in the temple. Samuel helped priest Eli with the temple work. Every morning, he got up early to open up the curtain doors of the temple. The curtains were purple and red and blue. Samuel was a busy worker. He brought wood for the fire. He carried water for the shiny wash basin and dusted the golden furniture. Samuel helped priest Eli fill the seven golden lamps with oil, the lamps that must be kept burning all throughout the day and through the night. The oil made the lamps burn with the yellow light. When it began to grow dark, Samuel closed the temple doors, and then it came the time he liked best. It was story time. Samuel brought his favorite book and sat down on a stool beside priest Eli. Samuel's book did not have pages to turn. It was a long, long piece of paper rolled out into a roll called a scroll. Priest Eli unrolled the book and read him stories about Joseph and, Mo Joseph and Moses and God. Much too soon, the stories were over, and it was time to go to bed. Samuel said goodnight to Priest Eli. 
he spread his bed out on the floor, and then he said his prayer and lay down to sleep. Priest Eli slept in a room nearby. If he needed anything in the night, he would call Samuel. Samuel went to sleep. He was sound asleep one night when a voice called him, Samuel. Samuel jumped up and he ran to Priest Eli. Here I am, for you called me. But Priest Eli said, I did not call. Lie down again. Samuel went back and laid down. Before Samuel could go to sleep, the voice called again, Samuel. Samuel jumped up quickly and ran to Priest Eli. Here I am, for you called me. But Priest Eli said, I did not call, my son. Lie back down. Samuel went back down to bed. He was sure someone had called him. Almost before Samuel's head was on the pillow, the voice called, Samuel. Samuel jumped up and ran to Priest Eli. Here I am, for you did call me. Then Priest Eli knew it must be God who was calling Samuel. He said, Go, lie down. If he calls again, say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Once again, Samuel lay down on his bed. Samuel lay wide, wide awake, listening and listening and listening. Then the voice called, Samuel. Samuel sat up in his bed, and in almost a whisper he said, Speak, for thy servant heareth. And God heard heard Samuel's whisper. God took to Samuel and told him many things. God told him that he had chosen him to be a priest. This made Samuel happy. Now he wasn't just a little boy named Samuel. He was Samuel, the little priest. So I guess if you ever hear a little voice really quietly in the night, it's either your dad or it's going to be God talking to you. (laughs) So you can go back. Good morning to each of you. Welcome. Uh, it's a beautiful day here, uh, here in Colorado, and a beautiful day to be here at Redeemed Community Church. Um, <clears throat> thanks, everyone, for coming. Thanks, Judd. I kind of, as he was sharing that with the kiddos, I am like about Samuel there. Uh, you know, and it just kind of hit me hearing that, like, are our ears tuned to hear God's voice? You know, are we tuned in to when God hears us like, Lord, here am I. And um, sometimes um, we get a little bit anxious sometimes thinking like, well, what am I supposed to be doing? And sometimes patience is a big thing. God wants us to just to be quiet at times and to be able to be tuned into him. And, um, yeah, I kind of feel like Judd, too, got to be ready in season, out of season around here. So <laughs> wasn't prepared for this either, but no big deal. Uh, thanks again for coming. Uh, Brother Phil will be bringing us the, uh, the word today. Uh, as always, um, or as usual, we're having a lunch afterwards, so please feel free to hang around for that. Um, this Wednesday... Um, I guess on May 3rd at 6.30, the men's book uh, deal, The Heart of a Warrior at the Lap Home. Be the following Wednesday on May the 3rd. Um, looks like we have the youth retreat planned for August the 9th through the 13th 
So please uh, pass that word around to youth or whoever um, would be interested in coming. Um, I think the, where did I see? Oh, the following Sunday on the fifth Sunday, I guess next Sunday, um, what we have is there is being on the fifth Sunday, there is not a lunch provided here at the uh, following the service this next Sunday. So anyway, uh, this time, why don't we just bow our heads for a prayer and uh, turn the time over to Phil. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and for your goodness to us. Lord, I just thank you for being in our midst here this morning. And Lord, that um, how you've uh, spoken to me already so far, and I just trust that you've done so in each of our lives. And I just pray that you be with Brother Phil. Lord, as he shares your word, help us all to have open hearts and minds. And Lord, that we can receive the truth and from your word and be encouraged and blessed. And Lord, I just pray that, um, that we can be that light and a testimony for you right here in this community in, in Great Lake. Father, I also do think this morning of John and Sarah as they're traveling, be gone for the next few weeks. Lord, I just pray you go before them. Um, be with Sarah, Lord. I continue uh, to um, give her peace in her heart. And Lord, and as they seek um, to find answers uh, for her illness, Lord, I just pray that um, your will be done in their lives, Lord. And we just pray for uh, complete healing for her father as well. And Lord, I just thank you for your faithfulness. You're an awesome God. And I just commit this service into your care in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you um, may remember that we were praying for uh, Brother Angel and his eyesight. He's having surgery this coming week, right, Angel? The 26th. Um, so I asked him this morning if we could anoint him with oil and pray over him, and he was okay with that. So, um, minister team, would you come forward? And anyone else who uh, wants to join us, feel free to join us in spirit. Angel, you can sit on this chair so you don't have to uh, you just turn around and sit here. In this church, I think one of the most frequented scriptures and well-known scriptures should be James chapter 5 because all of us need it and we need it many more times than we think and he tells us in James chapter 5 is anyone among you suffering let him pray is anyone cheerful let him sing psalms sing praises is my translation is anyone among you sick let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. I want you to notice a couple of words before we pray over angel. And the prayer offered in faith. The word faith is the word trust. 
So even though Angel's going to a doctor and the doctor's going to lay him back and do his surgery and it may, may or may not be a big deal, what is a big deal for God is trust. And so this prayer that we're going to pray for him is for that, a prayer of trusting God. The one who is sick will restore, the offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. This restoration word is a word of salvation. It means that if there are areas in our life that that trust has wavered, that faith has grown weak, the Lord can restore it through this prayer. It's not a promise that God's going to give him his sight. The promise is he'll restore his faith in him. And the Lord will raise him up And what's going to happen? What happens when the Lord raises us up? The same thing that happened to the paralytic man that they brought into Jesus. And Jesus looked at this man who was completely paralyzed, laying on his bed in front of him. And what did he say to him? Do you remember? No, before he said that. Your sins are forgiven you. And everybody was shocked. What? How can this man forgive sins? And Jesus said, I said that so that you may know the Son of Man does have the authority to forgive sins. And that we all need, whether we're sick or not. So that's the promise. Restoration of faith. Restoration of that faith at trust in Him with His whole heart. And the promise that if He's committed any sins... The Lord's going to raise him up, strengthen his heart, and cause him to trust him again with that full assurance of faith. So that's what we're praying for. And then we're also going to pray for the doctors and our dear brother that the Lord just restore his sight. That's, That's only temporary. You know that, right? We're all going to die or be changed in the twinkling of an eye. And so we pray more importantly for the spirit, but also that the Lord would guide the doctor's hands and give you our Restore your sight, our brother. Dave, would you join us yet? I'll let you guys go ahead. Do you have the mic so that we can be heard? And each one of you can take a turn to pray over Angel. Angel, would you like to pray as well? Commit your heart to the Lord. Uh, I, I just have you guys. Okay. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for doing this. You're welcome. It's a, it's a cataract surgery for the left eye and then the right eye. They both. They're going to do one at a time, but on on the 26th, just the left eye, and then the right eye, two weeks later. Mm-hmm. It's just a cataract removal, but I need, I need, I, I need to know that <laughs> I trust that uh, my God would, would uh, guide the doctor to do a good job, and so... If you pray for me, I think that it, it'll be even more. Uh, uh, the scripture says that as many prayers as we can do for someone, there. How do we know that he's not going to hear? Or yeah. I mean, I need that. Thank you, brother. Amen. Lord, we just come before you. And I just want to lift up my brother to your throne, Father. Mm. And I just pray you be with Brother Angel. Lord, just give him the strength and the courage.
And Lord, I just uh, continue to comfort him. Lord, would you just uh, pray for a healing for his sight and also for the doctor, Lord, that you would guide their hands and um, Lord, just give them direction and knowing what's best. Yes, Lord. And uh, Lord, would you just commit all these things into your care, Father? Lord, we just trust in you that you will do this for him and just be with his wife as well, Lord. Just encourage them and bless them, Father. And just thank you for the the testimony and the encouragement they've been here in this fellowship. Just thank you for his uh, for his testimony. Father, I too just thank you so much for our brother Angel, Lord. And I just pray that as he's going into this week, Lord, that his faith would be strengthened. And Lord, um, that he would be able to know that you are a good God, that you desire to give good gifts, Lord, to your children. And that as a son of you, Lord, that he knows that you have his best interests at heart. And Lord, I just pray that he would rest in you and know that you are in control of all these things. I pray that you would um, heal him, Lord, whichever way that may be, whether you just touch him or, Lord, through the doctors and their hands, Lord, of just the skill that they have, Lord. I just pray that, Lord, in all these things that you would heal him and that he would be renewed in his sight. But, Lord, also that his spiritual sight would get, gain greater vision through all of this, Lord, that as he guides his wife and um, as he looks to his own soul and to his part with you, Lord, I just pray that he would just be strengthened and renewed in all this, in Jesus' name. Yes, Father, I too lift up my brother Angel to you. and Father, I thank you for the work that you have done in his life and that you are continuing to do. Amen, Lord. And, Father, we believe that this thing with his eyesight and eye surgery, that's, that's just a small thing compared right. to the Amen, salvation Lord. that you have brought to his life. Yes, hallelujah. And so, Father, you've told us to come to you with the small things as well. And so we bring this to you, knowing that you care and that you hear and that you can bring a complete healing to his eyes just as you bring spiritual healing. Amen, Lord. And so we pray for that, Father, and pray for the doctors, that you would give them much wisdom and guide their hands. Mm -hmm. And most of all, that you would guide my brother's heart mm -hmm. and draw him closer to you and increase his faith Amen, in Lord. you. Yes. Father, bless him, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our brother Angel, we anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord, the God of all flesh, restore your faith and raise you up and forgive all of your faults, iniquities, or sins. And touch your body and heal you. For his glory, for his honor, for his name's sake. Strengthen you with all might by his Holy Spirit in your inner man. That you may be rooted and grounded in his love. And may with all the saints comprehend what is the height and the depth and the breadth of the love of Christ. And to know all the fullness of God. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.
Thank you, brother. If you think the Christian life is boring, you're out of touch with the Holy Spirit. You need a restoration. Connection, a reconnecting with the God who is alive, with the God who is speaking to his people, with the God who is moving through his people's lives and enabling them, empowering them to action. Our God is not dead. He's alive and he's active. And it tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, his word is active and powerful. Active and powerful. And he's looking for volunteers this morning. Will you engage? Jesus, interestingly, whenever he called people, he was walking somewhere. And he didn't just say, hey, will you trust me? Hey, will you believe in me? He said, follow me. And he kept right on walking. And you had a decision to make. What? Where are you going? I'm not telling you. Follow me. Jesus was active. And when he calls people, he calls them to follow, to get up and move with him. The Holy Spirit is saying the same words to people today. Follow me. Get up and move. Life isn't normal anymore. From that day forward, Peter and James, they left their fishing nets. And John, John and James and Peter and the others he called, what happened to them? Their lives were radically changed. And they began to see and experience Jesus. Right in front of their eyes every day of their life. And this is exactly what the devil wants to blind us to and keep us from. He wants you to believe that you can hear the voice of Jesus and it won't change a thing. Nothing changes. Everything is normal. Except that you get to go to heaven when you die. It's a false gospel. It's not Jesus talking to you. If you're hearing that voice, it's not the voice of Jesus. It's some other spirit. And there are many spirits. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. There are many spirits that have gone out into the world to deceive people. That's their intent, is to deceive you. To make you think that Jesus is just someone who's sitting up there in heaven who wants to forgive you whenever you confess your sins and wants to make your life better and just kind of bless you and... And wish you the best. And you know, when you die, he'll be there to welcome you. That's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. Jesus has come to change our lives right here and now. To impact us. And engage us in his work. Because God is a God who is at work. Jesus said, when the scribes and Pharisees challenged him, why are you working on the Sabbath day? Jesus said, my father is working and I am working. The Lord 
is looking for those who engage, who follow him. And when you hear that voice, your days will be days of following. Each day, an exploration of following the Holy Spirit. And you never know what he's going to do that day. He may, through you, forgive someone's sins. Did you know Jesus is looking for his children, for men and women whom he can exercise forgiveness through? The world can't do that. Unless we have the Spirit of Christ, there is no forgiveness in our hearts for anyone. We can overlook sins. We can put up with it. But we can't forgive. Forgiveness is mentioned very clearly in Ezekiel chapter 33. The Lord says this. If a man sins and he repents, I will never mention his sin to him again. That's one of the signs of forgiveness. You know what we do in the flesh? We overlook it. We bypass it. We say, ah, oh, it's okay. We brush it off. But the next time they do that, or the next time they do that, we'll let them know we remembered they did it before, won't we? Oh, that's just what you always do when we finally had enough. All of the past is mentioned to them. That's not forgiveness. And if you're forgiving that way, you're just human. But divine forgiveness is forgiveness from the heart. That releases people from their past mistakes. It releases people from what they said before. Real love, which is forgiveness, because Jesus said, He that is forgiven much, loves much. Real love, God's love, grows in my heart through the power of forgiveness. That's how our love increases, is when we get the opportunity to forgive one another. But the natural flesh doesn't see it that way. They don't see forgiveness as an opportunity. They see it as, you may not have to again. When are you going to get it together? It's a putting up with. That's not God's forgiveness. That's not God's love. That's not how Jesus forgives us. And that's not how he forgives people through us. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love does not take into account wrongs suffered. Doesn't count it. That's why when Jesus said, if you really want to experience my forgiveness and give that to each other, you'll forgive each other 490 times a day. Not just seven, 490. Earlier, Jesus said, are there not 12 hours in a day? Back before electricity, there's about 12 hours in a day. Right? From sunup to sundown is about 12 hours. Depending which time of the year and where on the earth you live. You do 490 times divided by 12. See how many times that is? About every minute and a half, you're forgiving the same person for the same thing. That's forgiveness per day. Can you do that? No, you can't. But Jesus wants to do it through you. He's looking for volunteers. Will you be one? 
Will you be a volunteer for Jesus Christ to accept, as Romans 15 says, accept one another just as Christ has accepted you? To love the Ephesians 4 verse 32, love. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. To have the kind of love that Colossians 3 talks about, where he says, if anyone has a quarrel against any others, you have a fight? What to do? Make up? Say it's okay? Give each other a hug? Husband and wife? Kiss on the cheek? It's all right? No! You're missing it! You're missing God's opportunity of forgiveness. He says, if anyone has a quarrel against another, forgive one another. That's the need. You see, we miss it. We miss God's love and the opportunity to exercise, to engage with what God is wanting to do. When Jesus says, follow me at that moment, he says, forgive like I forgive you. He tells us to forgive about every minute and a half. He forgives every second. So if you think you're close to Christ, you're not even near there. He's forgiving us every second. He is standing at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for those. And Romans 8 tells us that the Spirit intercedes for the children of God. When they groan and they can't even put it into words, He puts it into words for them before the throne. That's Christ's love. He's giving you an opportunity to engage. Follow me. Do you know how many God's children don't engage? We do just like the rest of mankind. Human strength, human love, human effort. There's only one way you and I can do this. Zechariah chapter 3 says, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. God is looking for men and women who will, first of all, receive that from Him. When you're loved much and you understand this is what's going on in my life today, you'll never be condemned. The moment a thought of condemnation enters your heart, every time you fail, even in your thoughts, you can immediately confess your sins and he is faithful and just to forgive you your sins. And not only that, he cleanses you from the whole sin. You don't have the stain of it anymore. The best human love can do, when you spill something on my shirt, you'll leave a stain. I can say I forgive you, but the stain is still there. Christ doesn't leave the stain on the heart. He doesn't leave the stain on the conscience. He clears it. Your conscience is completely free before him and then he does something even more powerful he fills you with his joy the joy of forgiveness this is what the holy spirit is looking for and drawing us into last sunday i shared with you a word the lord gave me out of Amos, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. Sometimes I feel like I'm standing between the dead and the living. 
Just yesterday, we celebrated Cece's life. Uh, an older lady who lived over here, and she died. When did she die? Friday night. Completely unexpected. Just went just like that. And the Lord is really putting this, this call on my heart that we as God's children have one purpose, one main goal of our life is to bring the gospel and the message of the gospel to dying souls. And we're not only to bring it with our words, we're to bring it with our life. But we can't bring that, and we won't bring that, unless we first live in that. When it's a reality in my life, every morning when I wake up, in the nighttime, if the Lord wakes me up, and in the evening as I, as I walk through the day, you know, I'm reminded just now of these this word in Deuteronomy chapter 6. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, the Lord said to Israel, He was giving them a commandment. Verse 1. Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, that you might do them in the land where you are going over to possess it. So that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, every day, and that your days may be prolonged. Oh Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it. God's begging Israel through Moses. Oh Israel, you should listen and be careful to do it. That it may be well with you and that you may multiply greatly just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. I want you to notice this. With all your heart, that's all, everything you love, the affections is where our heart is. Your soul is the expression of that. Our soul thinks, speaks, and feels. And... What else? He doesn't just say feel it. I mean, have it in your heart and, and love it. He doesn't only say express that to each other. But what should you do next? Live it with all your might. Strength. Live it out. And these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. They're going to be there permanently. The Lord wanted them there. And you shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them. Listen how he's teaching them. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house. You're sitting in the living room. 
You're sitting around the table. Basically, whenever you sit down, you shall talk of them. And when you walk by the way, anywhere and everywhere you go. Now, today, we don't walk places like they did. We drive places. So that counts as sitting time. See, the Lord knew that there's going to be a time when people will mostly sit. So he put in here sitting. Oh, and in case you're a walker, when you walk, when you're engaged throughout the day, when you're going places, talk of them. And when you lie down, when you lay yourself down to sleep, talk of them. What is he talking about? He's saying, teach my commandments that you may do them. They're going to be a part of your conversation all day, every day, all day long. And when you rise up, there you have it. That's pretty much life, right? You see, we do this in earthly relationships. And I think what makes it so easy for God's people to be disengaged when Jesus says, follow me, is they don't enter into this relationship with Jesus as a covenant and this is, I think, what a lot of people are missing today in the world. Not, not, I mean, not only like the world is missing, but I, but I see this missing so often in God's own children that he adopts into his family. Is, there, is, there is this love for Jesus that is here. And maybe in my heart. And maybe I talk about it once in a while, but I, the reason I don't engage so quickly when he says, follow me, is... I'm not in a covenant with him on this. And that's what Israel missed. How did God give it to him here? A commandment. Do this or you're cursed. Deuteronomy ends in Deuteronomy chapter 20, uh, 31 and 32, where he hangs the, the commandments, the promises, and the curses. And God says, do this, you'll be blessed. Don't do this, you are cursed. And that many of God's children still feel this condemnation towards God the moment they somehow fail, they feel cursed. And we do that to each other in our homes so many times. You obey me, I'll like you, I'll love you. You don't, I'll curse you. I'll remind you of all your mistakes and all your past and why you can't do it and you're never good enough. And this is human love. But it's not divine love. Divine love has now gone to a greater, more beautiful expression and experience than ever before. And that's through Jesus Christ. And I love the words in Jeremiah 31. God understanding now from the time that Moses gave this to them in the wilderness in Deuteronomy chapter 6 to Jeremiah 31 was at the end of the age of Israel. As a nation. God was going to do something with Israel. That was going to change them forever. After they were all carried away to Babylon. They never came back and ever again had a king. Or were a conquering nation. That time of Israel. As an earthly powerhouse of nations. And conquering other lands. Was over. It never happened again. Why? Because the Lord knew that the old covenant he had made with them, according to Hebrews, was not good enough. It was not sufficient. 
Because by the time Jeremiah comes, God had seen all their failures. Not just little failures, big failures. It was constant failures. Their hearts were always going after other gods. Especially the god Baal. The god Baal was a god that had been introduced to them in a very subtle way. You can read about this in, in Exodus where uh, Balak the king is afraid and Israel's on the move and he's coming up close to, to the Amalekites and, and Balak is afraid so he hires Balaam and he tells Balaam to come and curse them and Balaam, you know the story, he can't curse them. God only brings blessing and blessing and blessing. And Balak is so afraid and so angry, he tells Balaam, what shall I do? And Balaam gives him some counsel. Hey, God will not let you go and conquer them militarily. You're not going to overcome them and destroy them through your military. But there's a way. Go party with them. Go marry their sons and their daughters and interact with them and make friends with them. And then God himself will judge them. You won't have to. They'll destroy themselves. That's exactly what happened. That God, Baal, stayed with Israel after there was a righteous king. And then you can read through Kings and through Chronicles. And you know there were righteous kings and evil kings and righteous kings and evil kings in Judah. In Israel they didn't have one righteous king. Not one. The ten and a half tribes that went with Jeroboam. There was never even one righteous king. This God, Baal, stayed a constant until God took them away, carried them to Babylon, and finally brought them back. But how did he bring them back? Who led them? Can someone tell me? Who led them? And before Nehemiah, Ezra. Who was Ezra? He was a priest. What did the priest do? What did Ezra do for them? How did he lead them? And he interceded for them and? Okay. He did build, he, he encouraged them to build a temple, but before that. Yes. He read them God's law. He was building a spiritual nation. You see the difference? Instead of an earthly powerhouse like David conquering physically, God brought them back as a spiritual people. As a spiritual place. He was preparing them for the coming of the Messiah, Jesus himself. Who was not going to take Israel back to King David's army and might in an earthly way. Though they still were looking for that. How did Jesus come? To build a spiritual people. Right? To call people back and begin to build a spiritual nation. And God did that through taking them down to Babylon and never again after that experience have can you ever read that the God Baal was in the midst of Israel. God clearly wiped him out for good. God is wanting to do this with this new relationship that he says in Jeremiah 31. Verse 1. At that time declares the Lord 
I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they shall be my people. God is speaking forward a word of prophecy for the future of Israel. Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness, Israel, when it went to find its rest. The Lord appeared to him from afar, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have drawn you with loving kindness. Again, I will build you, and you shall be rebuilt, O virgin of Israel. Hosea, the prophet Hosea, describes this most explicitly, I think, of all the prophets. Hosea was a prophet that the Lord, interestingly enough, I think more than any of the other prophets, engaged. When Hosea came to, when the Lord's word came to Hosea, he didn't just say, go preach to Israel. You remember what he told him to do? Take a wife. What kind of wife? A prostitute. How would you like if the Lord came with that word to you? And this is not about you. This is the word of the Lord coming to you for someone else. The Lord wants to now engage you in the work he's doing on the earth. Among his people. And what the Lord told Hosea is, I'm going to make you a sign for the people. Would you be okay with that? If the Lord says, I'm going to take you, I'm going to make your life an example for all people. That's exactly what God is saying. In 1 Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, you be an example of the believers. You. I'll never forget years ago when the Lord came to me that way. Shortly after I was filled with the Holy Spirit in a, in a life-giving way, more than just having my sins forgiven, it was this word that the Lord brought to me was first and second Timothy and the book of Titus. That I was just a young man, 24 years old, and I, I, was, I, I, I had found this new love for Jesus and I was passionate about it and I loved Him with my whole heart and, and my soul, but I didn't know how to love Him with my might yet. And the Lord said to me, through the book of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy and Titus, he, the Spirit led me to read those books in one week. I think I read them ten times, pouring myself into those books and pouring them through me. It was like the Lord simply took me as a sponge and He immersed me into the book. But what does a man do with a sponge that he immerses into water? What for? Just so that the sponge is wet? What do you do with a sponge? Why do you immerse it into water? Can someone tell me? To wash stuff. To wash something. What happens to that poor sponge? It gets dirty with other people's dirt. And then it gets wrung out. And then it gets plunged again. Cleaned again. And goes on other people's dirt again. 
and then goes back in the bucket and gets wrung out. Are you willing to be a sponge? That's what Hosea had to be willing to be. And today yet, he's that sponge. Hosea didn't know it, but God was going to use him for eternity. For all ages of mankind, his story and his words were the sponge of God's love to a wicked, dying world. But more importantly, to his people. His own people. That God was going to use him to cleanse his people. God is looking for volunteers. Would you like to sign up for this? You see, it's so easy for us. To hear the words of Jesus, follow me. And we stay sitting in our tax collector booth and we say, hey guys, there's Jesus, go follow him. I've got taxes to do. Guys, I just caught this boatload of fish. Why don't you go follow him, brother? And if the brother says, oh, I'm sorry, I, yeah, I'll take over. You go, you go. The Lord gives me a truth in his word and I come to you and I say, this is for you, brother. This is for you, mom. This is for you, sister. This is for you, dad. That's exactly what happened to me. I got so excited about God's word. I came home and preached it to my parents and, and, and to my brothers and sisters in the church. And I said, this is how we ought to pray. We ought to raise our hands in church and get excited. Amen. And they all said, not here, brother. That's for you in the closet. Oh, you guys are all dead. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I got, you know, passionate. I was living it out in the soul, but not by the Spirit's might. Until one day the Lord said to me, how's that working out for you? How does that work out for you? We all love to be preachers, but very, very few volunteer to be examples of the word we preach. Watchman Nee, a Chinese preacher back in the early 19th century and throughout the 1920s and 30s, started many house churches throughout China. You can read his book. He wrote a book and he wrote, many others compiled his sermons, but one interesting note before I say this. I think it was in 1970. He was in prison for over 20 years. Suffered terribly. Beaten, barely alive by the communist government. Many of the Christians in the Western world, and especially in America, began to hear this and they began to read his book. By the way, his book is titled The Spiritual Man. The Spiritual Man is the title. It's the only book he ever wrote. All the other books are writings from his sermons. So the Western Christians got together and they began to appeal the government, the Chinese government, for his release. And they granted it to him. And by this time, Watchman Nee was about in his late 60s or close to 70 years old, as I recall, barely alive. What do you think he said? Does anyone know what he did? This is the word he quoted. 
Hebrews chapter 11. Who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouth of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received back their dead by resurrection, others, boy, doesn't that, wouldn't you sign up for that? But what about this one? Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. In order that they might obtain a better resurrection. He said, no. God has called me to preach to China and to his people in China. And I won't go to the U.S. Because God has not called me there. And when he said that, he angered his prisoners, his, his, his guards and the, and the government so terribly, they just killed him. They beat him and beat him and beat him until he died. I think it was a few weeks later. He was willing to be made an example of the believers. To take that verse and live it. And this is what God is calling each one of us to. The Hosea mindset. The Hosea willingness. The Hosea obedience. He married a prostitute. And she was unfaithful to him. And the Lord says in Hosea chapter 3, go marry her again. After she had cheated on him twice, go marry her again. Bring her back. Remain faithful to her. Why did the Lord want to do this to Hosea? Because he was telling Hosea, I'm making your life an example of my love to Israel. I want them to see it lived out in somebody. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing for God to look on you and say, My child, I want to live my love out through you to somebody. Would you be willing to be my disciple, to come and follow me into the depth of my love and give you the opportunity to forgive that is very rarely seen in the world and that these people may have never seen. I want to give you the opportunity to love people that you're, it's impossible to love unless you obey me and follow me. And I'll fill you with my spirit and make your life an example of it. For all to see, this is how God loves. And after you've loved this way, then you can proclaim that their God loves them this way. In Hosea chapter 2, verse 14, the Lord says to Israel, Therefore, behold, I will allure her. Bring her into the wilderness and speak kindly to her. Then I will give her her vineyards from there and the valley of Achor as a door of hope. Can anyone tell me where the valley of Achor is? Why is it called the valley of Achor? Do you know? No, that's another place. Oh, you should read this. In Joshua chapter 7. In Joshua chapter 7, you will find the story 
of Achan. Remember the story of Achan? Who was Achan? Do you know who Achan was? Guys? Michael? Brad, do you know who Achan was? Really? No? Nope. That was Korah. Yeah. And, and then because of that, the people did not trust their, their rules with the uh, with the Amalekites, and then because that they lost uh, one battle, they lost three lives because of the attacks of Asia and they stole something. That's right. The first big city that Israel fought against, what was its name as it came into Canaan? Jericho. You remember the power of Israel coming against Jericho? How powerful was it? Did they climb over the walls and kill everybody? No. No. What happened? They marched around the city for seven days. And the seventh day they did it seven times. And then they blew the trumpets and the walls all fell down. And God had said, kill every living being except Rahab. Only Rahab and her family were to be left alive. And don't touch a thing. Burn the city with fire. God was making an example of what He was going to both to to Israel and to everyone else. He wanted to put the fear of God in all the other cities. And that's exactly what happened except for Achan. Achan was one of those Jewish soldiers rummaging through the stuff and he sees some beautiful garments and he sees some gold and silver and he says ah just take a few and put it in my pocket just a little bit won't hurt we're still burning the whole city no one will know takes it back in his tent and hides it and the next battle that Israel goes out to fight was against a little city called Ai very little town and they were defeated Joshua didn't even send all the soldiers because it was so small. And Joshua falls on his face before the Lord and says, what is going on? And God says, there's a a little bit of tiny sin in Israel. A few idols of disobedience in a man's life. So they found out it was was Achan. In Joshua chapter 7, verse 22, So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent, And behold, it was concealed in his tent with the silver underneath it. And they took them from inside the tent and brought them to Joshua and to all the sons of Israel. And they poured them out before the Lord. Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the mantle, the bar of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that belonged to him. And they brought him up to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. And all Israel stoned them with stones, and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones that stands to this day. And the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore, the name of that place has been called the Valley of Achor 
to this day. Now at the end of the nations of Israel's, God was going to do a new thing to Israel. He was calling them to a new relationship, and this is his promise. Then I will give her her vineyards from there, and the valley of Achor will become a door of hope. Have you experienced that? The place where you failed in a little tiny way, that little besetting sin in your life maybe, and people want to stone you for it and condemn you. And Jesus, Jesus is there. Maybe they even bring you to Jesus, like they did the woman who was caught in adultery. You remember that story? Oh, we caught her in the very act. There was no denying this. And all these elders from the church bring this woman over to Jesus and say, Jesus, here she is. What does the law say? What did the law say? Stone her. Stone her. But the law also said something, and Jesus knew this. The law also said the man was to be put to death. Where was the man? They were only they were hypocrites. They were only half fulfilling the law. Maybe I don't know. I, I don't I'm just a wild guess. Maybe it was one of those guys. Who was the man? There was a reason that Jesus didn't say a word, but knelt down and he began to write on the ground. What a quiet moment. Not a word. And it's not told us what he wrote. But as they continued to ask him, we know what Jesus said, right? Any one of you without sin, let him cast the first stone. And then Jesus continues to write. And after he was done writing, he gets up and there's no one around except the woman. And Jesus says to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. The valley of Achor had become a door of hope for her. What do you think happened in her heart from that day forward? Huh? She thought she was dead. She probably knew she was dead. She deserved to die and she knew it. What do you think happened to her heart? You think she felt like going cheating again? Going and being a prostitute? I don't think so. I think Jesus captured her heart. And became the love of her life. And I think this happened. And she will sing there as in the days of her youth. As in the day when she came up from the land of Egypt. And it will come about in that day declares the Lord. That you shall call me Ishi. That means my husband. It's a Hebrew word. My husband. And she will no longer call me Bali. Which means my master. That's the change that happened in her heart. She may have called Jesus rabbi and knew him as a rabbi, but that day, Jesus captured her heart. 
by telling, taking her at the place of the valley of Achor and giving her forgiveness. Giving her that wonderful, amazing experience of the extension of her life. Not only that, the erase of her sin and the guilt of it. But Jesus wasn't finished. God wasn't finished with Israel. He continues to say in verse 17, For I will remove the name of the Baals from her mouth. No more other lovers. I'm going to remove it from her mouth. She's not going to talk about him anymore. So that they will be mentioned by their names no more. In that day, I will also make a covenant for them. With the beasts of the field, the birds of the sky, and the creeping things of the ground. And I will abolish the bow, the sword, and war from the land. And will make them lie down in safety. And then he continues. And I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in loving kindness and compassion. And I will betroth you to me in faithfulness. Then you will know the Lord. This is what God wanted to live out as an example in Hosea's life. And he was willing to be obedient to the Lord and become the example of God's message of love and redemption. But more than that, God's covenant for his people. And Jeremiah 31 is saying, an old covenant, that old covenant isn't good enough anymore. This is now my new covenant that I will make in those days with the house of Israel says the Lord. Back to Jeremiah 31. Verse 27. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, that I will sow the house of Israel and the house of Judah with the seed of man and with the seed of beasts. And it will come about that as I have watched over them to pluck up, to break down, to overthrow, to destroy, to bring disaster, so I will watch over them to build and to plant, declares the Lord. In those days they will not say again, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. But everyone will die for his own iniquity. Each man who eats the sour grapes, his teeth will be set on edge. The Lord will not punish you anymore for your parents' sins. But do you know we live in a Christianity who loves to blame their parents for their faults? It's an old covenant that God has abolished and will not make with you anymore. And if you go there and try to live out your Christian life with Jesus by saying, My dad, my mom was there or was this or wasn't there or wasn't this, you'll never marry Jesus. Never. You will struggle all your life and relate to him as a master. But this, this love, covenant of love that he's offering you is not through your parents. It's not through your grandparents. He wants to make it with each one individually, personally. And his promise is he will. He's looking for anyone. Just like Jesus, when he walked and he didn't go to 
James and John's father and say, hey, will you let your sons come and follow me? No. The father was right there. He totally ignored him. Will you follow me? Will you follow me? The families were all there, but it was a personal invitation that Jesus gave to each one. And that's still that personal invitation he's giving out to each one. The father and the children alike. Behold, days are coming, verse 31, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord, but this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach again, each man his neighbor, and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. When you and I enter into the covenant of love with God and he, he meets us right there at the valley of Achor when we should die for our sin and we know it. He meets us right there where he met that woman caught in adultery. And he says, follow me. I want to live my love through you to others. Will you be an example of my love for the rest of the world? And that example of the believers is this covenant of love that many times it can't even be expressed in words. Because when two people get married and now we become a spouse to the Lord Jesus and he becomes my husband, he beca we become the bride of life. What, do, what happens when two people get married? They move in together. They do life together. Would you say that you could tell how much they love each other by what they say about each other? Maybe. Yes. It, yes, kind of. But that's not the real proof of their love, is it? What is their proof of their love? Action. action. What action? Choosing to stay. Choosing to stay. That. It isn't being perfect, though that's the goal. It isn't expressing it, though that's a part of it. It isn't the feeling, though they come and they're sweet. It's the staying because it's a covenant love. What, do, what does every marriage vow include? Even the world still says it to this day. What do they say? The last part of the vow. I do for how long? Until death do us part. Dear brother, sister, 
and the Lord loving others through you becomes one of the greatest honors of your life. Giving you the opportunity to forgive 490 times a day, one of the greatest honors of my life. Making you a sponge and immersing you into his clean word. Jesus said, you are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. Immersing you into his own presence and, and then taking you out and washing off other people's lives with his word. And then wringing you out. That becomes your life which you love every day. Wait, which, wait, what would you rather be? We're all sponges. But I meet with a lot of sponges who would rather just be set on a shelf and be like people's chinaware, you know? I don't know if you ladies have chinaware, but my wife has a, a set of chinaware that we were given at our wedding day. I don't remember who gave it to us. But it's really, it's this, it's all nice fancy flowers on and we rarely use it. Only on very special occasions do we use that chinaware. For 29 years now, it just sits up there. That poor chinaware, I could cry for it. It wasn't made for that. It wasn't made to be put on a shelf and looked at. You know what's very interesting? I haven't had one person visit us that commented on the chinaware. That is fascinated with it and that blesses us for our nice chinaware. Unless we use it. And when that chinaware is used, gets dirty, filthy, wrung out in the dishwasher, even chipped and nicked here and there. But it's useful. Which are you? Jesus is asking and volunteering and walking among us right now and saying, Come follow me. And he keeps right on walking. Follow me. Follow me. I want to enlist you, make you useful, bring you out, make you an example of my love. Because it's a love of covenant. Covenant love is a love of life. We do life together for the rest of our lives. Thanks, Brother Phil, for that word. I was very uh, deeply encouraged and blessed. Um, yeah, am I a sponge? Am I being useful for God's kingdom? And um, thank you so much for that. Um, yeah, I guess this brings us to the close of our service here. And so I think we've got a lunch prepared. So.
please feel welcome to stay around and partake of that. Why don't we all stand and why I see uh, the benediction and the blessing on the new meal. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and for your goodness. And Lord, I just pray that each of us, that we could be that sponge, we could be used uh, uh, to clean and Lord, to be useful. Lord, I just thank you for uh, your son Jesus is willing to die on the cross for our sins. And Lord, that we can have the plan of salvation. Lord, we just um, come to the close of this service. I just pray you go with us as we depart from here. Uh, Lord, that you uh, continue to guide and direct each one of us throughout this week. And Lord, as we also about to partake of the uh, physical food, I just pray you bless the hand that have prepared it and bless it to our bodies, Father. We can receive the nourishment uh, thereof to honor and glorify you. Bless our afternoon, our time together in our conversation. Lord, that we can always have you in the forefront uh, in everything that we say and do. Lord, just thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen.